What is the parable that comes to my mind when I, re- when I see this video? I think of the parable of the house that's built on sand versus a house that's built on the rock. You know, the purpose of a house being built is that when the storm comes, that's the importance of our foundation. If my foundation is built on life here, my, my passing through, it won't hold me when the storm comes. If you weren't here for the pre-word, then you missed uh, what Ronnie had to share. And in Hebrews, I want to go back there before I get started. And um, you don't have to go to Hebrews if you don't want to. Uh, you could actually go to John chapter 6. But I want to go to Hebrews real quick, and I want to read this again. Uh, what was it, Hebrews 3? Hebrews 2? Check this out. Hebrews chapter 2, starting in verse 14, it says, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. Can I be just ask a question? You don't have to answer it, but just answer it in your heart. How often do you hear about the emphasis of the blood of Jesus Christ? In today's churches, in today's time, people are not talking about the sacrifice of Jesus. They're not talking about what brings salvation. Do you remember what it was like to hear the gospel for the first time? When it first met you, where it was like, God can forgive you of all your sin. And you were in the middle of your sin. You just got done doing whatever you were doing. Maybe you were getting ready to do it. And you heard the message of Jesus and it said, come as you are. God wants to change you. God wants to empower you. God wants to deliver you. God wants to heal you. All these wonderful things that the gospel brings to us. And you remember when it didn't matter, the healing didn't matter. It was that he wanted to do it. Or had it always been about you being healed, you being delivered? See, that's, the, that's why I'm saying this, because if we don't see what God has done for us, and if we don't keep it close, guys, I'm talking like your next breath, you're going to get tossed by every women doctrine that comes your way. You're going to believe the next thing that has nothing but sugar in it, and man, does it taste good, and you're going to see thousands of people following that and you're going to want to be a part of that blending into the crowd floating with this confession that's not even true but do you remember when God really came to you and he pulled the veil back and this is the mark right here what I'm about to read this is what makes the biggest difference from just saying God I need you to touch my physical body to God give me eternal perspective Now, I don't know if you're being quiet and you got a loud amen on the inside or if you're being quiet because you're measuring whether or not this is the truth. Either way, may God get the glory. Because what I'm about to read to you is the difference. And it says this. This is how you know if you're a true believer. For only as a human being could he die and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Watch verse 15. Only in this way. Only. That means there was no other way. Jesus is the way. There is no other way. But the way to what? Have you ever asked yourself that? Like the way to what? While I'm passing through this life, what am I supposed to have? That makes me know I'm with Jesus. Only in this way, verse 15, could he set free all, not some, all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. That is how you know if you are Christ's or not. Because if you truly have Christ, you no longer fear death. 
you no longer have fear of losing temporary things. You should not fear anything if Christ is ruling. Huh? I'm going to use Donald Trump as an example just real quick. I know some of us don't like him. But you have to love him. You're a believer. And you have to love what God is doing because he's given us examples all over the place, even through people who are imperfect. Last I checked, I'm imperfect. And he uses imperfect vessels to demonstrate his power. And here's Donald Trump in the face of all adversity, fake news, all this stuff. He stands up and says, let's make America great again. And you know what? He's held true to a lot of his words. Said he was going to do this. Said he was going to do that. I'm not glorifying Donald Trump. I'm just saying, here's a man that believed. When others didn't. When people were jumping on the bandwagon saying, build the wall, don't build the wall. He's against Mexicans. He's racist. It doesn't matter. The example still stands that he stood and believed what he believed regardless of the criticism. He stood up in interviews and he stood up on platforms and he tweeted out stuff that was off. But he believes. See, you got to have respect for somebody who is sold out for the mission. Why am I saying this? How much greater should it be as a believer? We don't move with the crowd. We move with Christ. You don't follow man. You follow God. And the way that you know if it's God or not is the type of power that's flowing through it. Is it fear? Are you sitting and wondering what man is thinking about you? Is your heart troubled because of the opinions of things that are fading away? Are you afraid of Tony because Tony's a pastor? Are you afraid? There's a difference between reverencing what God is doing and then fearing the opinion of man. You should not fear my opinion. Do you understand what, as a believer, with this power of resurrection, this Jesus that is marvelous, this God we love, we should not be troubled with bills, with relationships. And see, some people would say to me, they'd say, no, 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 I'm just a human being, clearly. <laughs> but that's not what I'm saying. He is also God. And we need to get out of ourselves, right? And we need to focus back on this Jesus. We need to remember why he died. You know why he died? Because he did. There is, it wasn't just because he loved you. It's because he's God. He is God. He said, you know what? I'm making an executive decision. You know when Donald Trump says, I just signed an executive order. Have you ever seen that? Just signed an executive order. That means he took it upon himself to enforce something. How much greater is God to say, I'm going to die for people who will never come to me. I'm going I'm to do it anyway. I'm going to raise from the dead. I'm going to show them that I'm God. I'm going to make it to where they can never find the body. They will never be able to prove me wrong. I'm going to have so many witnesses of what took place that it will be irrefutable. And then I'm going to breathe the spirit into people who never saw me walk the earth, who never saw me die and raise, who never heard my voice before, and they're going to believe. And how you'll know that they belong to me is they'll give their life up for me, even though they've never seen me. The Holy Spirit is here. God is doing something in the midst of this city. God is stirring something in the midst of believers all over the place. And just because you can't see every row packed out in here does not mean that God isn't moving. God is moving, I promise you. Amen. I don't know where you were at when you came to the Lord. Hopefully you're in John 6 right now. I don't know where you were at when you came to the Lord, my brother and sister. 
But here's where I was. I was in my bedroom. Actually, I was in my brother's bedroom. And in my brother's, I always wanted my brother's bedroom. He was my bigger brother. He's six years older than me, right? And I just, he, I looked up to him. He's like, that's my brother. And, and when he wasn't home, I'd go and lay in his bed and I would dream about that bedroom being mine. You know, I look back now and that house was so small and it was in the hood and I, you know, but I loved it. I look back now, I'd be like, I would never want that room. But as a kid, you know, you're naive. You're, you don't understand what's going on and you just think the way you think, right? So I'm sitting in my brother's bed. I'm dreaming about how one day it's going to be mine. And my mother comes in my room high on meth, and says God told her to take me to a church. I'm sure there were churches all over the place having service as usual, doing life as usual. There was somebody halfway drunk somewhere. There was somebody else cheating on their spouse somewhere. There was somebody else on fire for God in another country. There was other things going on, but there was, where I was at, there was no pastor where I was at, there was only God. And he moved on my mother, and, and she took me to a church, and I met the Lord. I was 12 years old. There is somebody somewhere right now, just because you don't see it with your eyes, does not mean God ain't moving. He's moving. The power of Jesus is still active. The message of the cross stills carry power. It still carries power. We're so busy trying to tell our testimony that we don't say the testimony that saves. And I want to tell you about Jesus tonight. I want to tell you about his atoning sacrifice, what atonement means. You needed atonement for your sin. I needed atonement for my filth. And God did it, guys. Don't forget how good he's been. Amen. In John chapter 6, starting in verse 41, watch this. Then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Verse 42, they said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say, I came down from heaven? But Jesus replied, stop complaining about what I said. Now, I want to paint a picture for you. They didn't know he was God. Just like many people don't know you're saved. Many people don't know that you belong to God. So when you try to speak up for God, you know what they say? I know who you are. I know what you was doing such and such time. I know your parents. I know your past. Because they don't know what God's done. And they don't know what God is doing. And they don't know what God is going to do. You, you hear what I'm saying to you? You, you will have family as you get... Uh, as you start experiencing God and you get on fire for God and then all of a sudden your life has changed but your situation hasn't. <laughs> and you're literally a day away from being saved. You, now it's the next day and you go to your family. You're like, no, you need to live for God. And you start telling everybody about Jesus and they're going to they're gonna look at you and say, what are you doing? I was just smoking with you yesterday, man. Because they don't know what God is doing, and they can't see what God's going to do. So don't be discouraged when God sets you on fire. Don't be discouraged when God gives you a word in your heart. Don't be afraid of your family who has quick motives to judge you. Because God has already judged them. Just like he's already judged us. Just like he's already moving, guys. You Okay, I'm going to read you what Jesus said here. And this is our Lord. This is our God. This is the only Lord, the only God. Listen to what he says, verse 44. For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me 
draws them to me. So stop trying to save people. Stop trying to save your family. Stop trying to save your love. God knows whose is his. You know what you need to do? You pray for them and you trust God, but you are not God. And I have seen for so long people try to make others go to church. And you know what's crazy? Like you throw a little food in the back and people will show up real quick. Throw a little party, right? Throw a trunk or treat outside. People will show up for candy. But do they show up for Jesus? Seriously. You would think that by me doing this that I'm upset at them. I hate the devil. He has stolen from God's people. That's why I do this. It ain't at you and it ain't at them. It's because there's a real warfare and people fall for that trick because they want the treat. Tell them it's going to be okay. My brothers and sisters, it's not going to be okay. Do you think it's going to be okay coming to Jesus in a world that hates him? Come on. Take hope. You have the only truth. You have the one that you can see with clear eyes is the Messiah. You're not lost. You're not out there. You're not running wild. You are free. Amen. And there are people who would rather have a trunk full of candy than a heart full of Christ. And see, the crazy thing about it, you want to know the truth? You want to know where your heart is with this? If it bothers you or not, what I'm saying. Because you should be saying, amen. And you should still, with a clear conscience, be able to go to whatever you're going to go to and get your candy, knowing that the candy is not your savior. You shouldn't have to feel bad because I said something. If God is moving in you and you have a clear conscience, go and celebrate what you want to celebrate with your family. But trust me on this. If God is with you, you can't celebrate the same. You can't turn him off. When you walk up to a, a trunk and you want to do whatever you're doing, God's spirit is with you. So if there's some demonic thing on there, you're going to be bothered by that. And you're not going to judge the person who made, you know, decorated the car because that's not the issue. It's not the people. But we are in something that is so real, so true, so tangible. We have someone who is realer than real. He's the only reality. His name is Christ. And he changes your life. Amen. I just feel like I have to sit there for a second because in light of, you know, what is today? The 27th? So in a couple days, it's Halloween. How many, how many Halloweens as a Christian have we celebrated? 10, 15, 20? Is Christ ruling and reigning in you? Ask yourself the question. Ask yourself this question because he says, no one can come to me unless the Father draws. So it does not matter what you celebrate or don't celebrate. Christ is the one we need. It doesn't matter what you celebrate or don't celebrate. It doesn't matter what you celebrate or don't celebrate. It doesn't matter what holiday comes and goes for you because you have the thing that everybody is looking for. Do you hear me? So stop looking for something else and stop pointing them to something else. See, the thing about God is funny. Like if you read the scriptures and Jesus begins to move amongst the crowd and he starts to share his sermons, you'll see in long sections of text that he'll, it looks like he kind of goes on these rabbit trails. And it seems as though, like, okay, why did he throw this in there? He was talking about this here and now he's talking about something else. And it can almost, you can almost get lost in the text. But do you know why he does that? He's, it's like taking a bandage off. Every layer is different, right? But it's all bondage. 
All that's happening in this conversation right now is God is taking off all these cares from your heart so you can receive the truth of this word. I can't move forward until these other things that are distracting you are out of the way so that way you can receive what Jesus really has for you tonight. If you're looking three days ahead into whatever you're doing, you're not even present. And so God will stop and say, stop thinking about that. Focus on what the man of God is giving you tonight. Listen to my word. Don't get distracted by the things that are out there and in front of you. This is where you're at right now. Amen. Be in touch with where you are right now. And you got to understand something about the anointing I'm moving under is that there's a recording happening that hasn't even been released yet and somebody's going to end up in that moment and this word is still going to be relevant to them and it'll still be right now. Just like this word is a now word, no matter if it's yesterday, today, or tomorrow, it's always a now word. Jesus is always now. Amen. I don't care what modern Christianity says. And I don't care what they try to picture they try to paint. It's all lies if it ain't Jesus. Look at what he says. No one can come to me. Unless the Father who sent me draws them to me, and at the last day I will raise them up. Verse 45. As it is written in the scriptures, they will all be taught by who? Wow. They will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. There's no amount of effort man can do to hurry this process along. It is only God's spirit that draws people. Amen? Verse 46, not that anyone has ever seen the Father, only I, who was sent from God, have seen him. Verse 47, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I will offer so the world may live, is my flesh. Whoa, watch this, watch this, it gets good. And drinks, uh, I'm sorry, is my flesh. Verse 52, then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat, they asked. <laughs> so Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. Verse 55, for my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Verse 57, I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because, will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. 59, he said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Many of his disciples said, this is a very hard to, un this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Now, if I stood here and we didn't have the Bible to read from, which, man, thank God for the word. Amen? Thank God it's confirmed here. But if I stood and said, eat the Lord's flesh. Right? Trick or treat, right? Flesh and blood, right? Eat the Lord's flesh and drink his blood, brothers and sisters. This room would be half as empty. <laughs> 
I'd probably have just Michelle and Ronnie, right? Because they're crazy. Maybe Vettel. Okay, yeah, everybody's crazy in here. But I'm being serious. You know, somebody asked me the other day, why are you serious? Why are you serious all the time? You used to joke all the time. You used to, like, make these videos and you used to joke all the time. And I said, you know why? Because the gospel is a serious matter. It's just a serious matter. I've made a light of it for too long. And it doesn't do anybody good by trying to make it funny. It doesn't. But it does amazing things when you get serious about it. You know what I'm saying? So it, I'm being serious. If I stood here, I would look like a lunatic. I already look crazy to people. I do. I know it because I'm, I'm doing what Jesus did. So they, so they look at me and they're like, man, you judging me. There's, there are people who think when I say, don't dim the lights, and I've been saying this for a while. You don't have to dim the lights to find Christ. You don't have to dim the lights to set the mood. You don't have to create an atmosphere for people to feel like they're connecting to God. You don't have to do it. I am not saying that anybody who does it is wrong. They need to measure their own heart after hearing that message. But I am not saying that what they're doing is wrong. What I am saying is know if you're doing it for the wrong reason. Because what I do know is God doesn't need our help. That's what I do know. And they get all bent out of shape. Man, he's talking about our church. I had somebody literally tell me, keep my name and my church out your mouth. They said literally, keep my name and my ministry out your mouth is how they said it. I said, okay. Be and the funny thing is I never, ever preached their name and ministry in a sermon. I've never mentioned them. I heard from another person. I don't know. I, I really feel like the Lord is taking me somewhere. I, I heard from another person. They came from another church. And they said, yeah, I came from this church. And the people that I used to fellowship with think I'm talking about them. I said, welcome to the club. That's what happens when you start preaching the truth. People don't know how to delineate the truth from themselves. When people are in the flesh and they hear hard truths like this, like eat the flesh and drink the blood, they don't take the time to say, God, what are you saying to me? Because I guarantee you with a sincere heart, if you ask God for understanding, he will meet you. But the problem is people don't have the truth. They're sincerely wrong and they're quick to the flesh and they, they want to judge you right away. You would judge me right away. And let's be honest. Can, can we be honest? You know you've done it already a couple times in your heart towards me. You know you have. At some point, you were like, Tony, I don't know. Because that's, that's what whenever, I know, stop. Don't look at my face. Because, because that's what happens when the truth is preached and it pricks the heart. Instead of taking it to God, you want to take it to man. And that's what happens. There's that split moment of like, ooh, until God deals with you. Amen? And then you realize, that, you know what, bro, Tony loves me. He's telling me the truth or whatever that is. Or you leave and you never come back. But that's what the truth of God does. Listen to what he says. He says, many of, it says, many of his disciples said, this is, a hard, this is hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? And Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Because the true fruit is in the Spirit. It is not in the flesh. Does this offend you? Oh, person listening online, does this offend you? That I'm telling you that the revival of God isn't going to happen the way the world is trying to make it happen. I'm telling you that it's not going to come by smoke and mirrors. I'm telling you it's not going to come by going to women's and men's conferences. I'm telling you it's not going to come by the effort of man. But God has it to where when you least expect it. In the place you least expect. 
he's going to move. And all of a sudden, you're going to be scratching your head saying, why aren't people coming to our concert anymore? Because people are tired of the concert. Because people are tired of the games. Because people are tired of what is weak and falling away. They want what's real. They want the truth. And they don't care if it makes them look peculiar. Because it's the only way. And I'm telling you guys the truth. What I'm about to read you, when Jesus did this communion with them, he was saying something to us forever. You know, all the way up to this present time, um, if, we're, if we're being honest with ourselves, there's a part of us that wants Christianity to look a certain way. Right? Can we agree? And there's a moment in the scripture where Peter, Jesus is having this moment with Peter, and he's telling Peter, he's saying, I'm going to die. I have to die, Peter. And Peter doesn't want to believe it. But here's what I love. Here's what I love about Peter. When have you ever not wanted to believe something about what somebody said and stayed anyway? See, he, he said, no, it, it is not so. You cannot do that. But he, but he stayed, even though he didn't want to believe his, what his master was saying, what his Lord was saying. Are we that fickle that because we can't see what God is doing that we leave? The faith? Are we that weak as a body, that we don't stand and trust what the word of God says, that if I've done all to stand, I stand therefore. No, I don't need to go and try to create another movement. I don't need to try to come up with some brand. I don't need to try to trick people into anything. I need to wait upon God. I need to stand anyway, even though it's hard, even though it's difficult. It's like I can't see a mile ahead. I'm barely 10 feet in front of me. I don't know what that looks like. What do you mean you're going to die? What do you mean? Well, guess what, Peter? If I don't die, I can't resurrect. And if I don't resurrect, you still have fear of dying because death has a hold of you. So I have to die. Watch this in the book of Hebrews chapter 9. And I'm almost done. I'm not even going to take a long time. I'm, I'm almost done. In the book of Hebrews chapter 9. Now, the, here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. <sighs> if right now I started talking to James and I started painting James's future, I said, James, you're never going to have to lack money because God, the wealth of the wicked is stored up for you. So you're always going to have money, James. Here's another thing, James. You're never going to get sick. You know there's people who talk like this. There, are, there have been ministries that have built their ministries based on these, these type of things. Hey, you're never going to get sick. Jackie, you're never going to face sickness. You're going to be healthy the, all your life. How many people would come hear that message? How many people would come and sit in that message week in and week out? Week in and week out. But if I came and I said, James, you might be broke your whole life but God will be with you. You know what? You might get sick, but God will be with you. Who's going to sit in that message? How about this? Who would sit in that message week in and week out? Not many. Matter of fact, if I had to say it, no one can unless God draws them. Because, see, you have to hear the life in that, though. And that's what Jesus was saying is that even though I'm going to die and you don't understand this yet, you can't see the resurrection power. You can't see the life-sustaining power of God. And I promise you, I have yet to hear somebody who has had a perfect life. But I know of many people who have had hardship, but they've had God. And there's always an amazing testimony in that. But the message of Jesus it's difficult. 
and hard to understand. And without the Holy Spirit, you cannot understand what I'm about to tell you. This message belongs to God. It's always been about him, and it'll never change. In Hebrews 9, verse 22, it says, In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So this Jesus that you've been worshiping, you've been claiming, you say, you know, do you appreciate his blood shed on the cross? We have to slow down and step away from this other thing we've been following, and we need to get back to the truth. The truth is, Jesus died for you. You did not die for you. The blood of Jesus Christ is the atoning sacrifice for all of mankind, not the brand. This, this is what people focus on now. They put it on a shirt. They put it on a banner. They wave it in the city, and they want to be called a good church, guys. The blood of Jesus needs to be on every life and on every tongue and on every banner. The message that Jesus died for my sins has not lost its power. And there is a world out there that needs to know about that, not about this. Not about this. The atoning sacrifice of Jesus. Watch what's, I'm just going to take you through a couple sets of scripture so we can appreciate what has actually happened. I'm going to go to, I want you to go to Isaiah 53. I'm going to go to Leviticus 17. Thank you for your word, God. And I don't know where Leviticus is, my goodness. <laughs> Help me. Where is it at? Yeah, I thought that's what I thought, but that's what I, I meant that. <laughs> there it is. So you're at, you're at Isaiah 53. I'm at Leviticus 17. And so I want to show you how God set this up. And Leviticus 17, 11 says this. For the life of the body is in its blood. I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. That is why I've said to the people of Israel, you must never eat or drink blood, neither you nor the foreigners living among you. Isn't this amazing? That we see Jesus saying, drink my blood. But yet it says here you should never drink blood. But yet that's the only way to be purified. What is the scriptures talking about? In Isaiah 53, starting in verse 4. Probably should have marked myself over here so I can get there faster, right? Lord, help me. I'm almost there. Watch what it says here as the prophet Isaiah begins to prophesy to us today about this blood. You know, there are, are people on Halloween that are sacrificing children. They're sacrificing children for Satan. You know that's happening in this world today. I don't sound crazy by saying that, right? You know that that's taking place. That's a mockery to God. But yet God sacrificed his only son. And it's prophesied here. And this is why I would say, do communion on Halloween. In your home. You don't need me to lead you in communion. Get yourself some citrus juice. Get yourself some bread. And have a moment with God on Halloween. And rejoice in the blood of Jesus on that day. 
because there is a whole nother force that is mocking God on that day. You want to be a part of something real? Get real with Jesus and do it. <laughs> Man, Lupita, you on fire too, huh? I'm feeling it up here. Isaiah 53. She's giving me more amens than any of y'all in the whole year. Some, Jeez, man, get me fired up. Isaiah 53, verse 4. And, and before we read this, I just want you to set your heart right because I've said a lot tonight. I've said a lot about a few different things, but I want to focus in now on the atonement of Jesus. This is the great thing about, about God is that when God is dealing with the hearts of man, he's getting them prepared to receive the Lord. I had no plans to talk about holidays. I had no plans. I wanted to talk and really sit on this. But even my mother-in-law sensed as she, we were sitting here in the front that we come in with stuff. And we got to move all that out the way, get it out the way so we can receive the truth. Are we there? Are, is our heart ready? Because this is for you. Ron, this is for you. Tina, this is for you. What I'm about to read is the only truth. The only truth. Sergio and Megan, it's, this is the only truth, what I'm about to read to you. There is no other truth in the world, in all existence. This is it. This is it, Ronnie. Danny, this is it. Chris, this is it, dude. For you. We're so wicked. God is so loving. In Isaiah 53, and I'm just going to start in verse 1, even though I know I, I want to do 4 through 6, I'm just going to do verse 1. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in a dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. He just was, there was nothing alluring about him in the flesh. Look at what it says. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet, listen to this. Even though we did this, even though we turned our backs on him, yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. When God pulls back the veil and pierces our hearts, cleanses our souls, and renews our minds, what we are left with is a deep reverence as we marvel at the work of Christ. We just stand in awe. Who else has done what Christ has done for you? Who else has done what Christ has done for you? We don't get it. We don't. We, we, we don't get it. We can't get it. That's why I know when the Spirit of God is upon you and you get it, it's, be, it's by the grace of God. 
But who has done what Christ has done for you? Who took the beating? Who took the whips? Who pushed you out of the way and said, let me do it? Who died? Who died for you? Anyone else but Jesus? The atoning sacrifice to pay for your debt, to pay for your sin, to pay for your wickedness, to pay for your selfishness, to pay for your rebellion, to pay for your fornication, to pay for your greed, to pay for your lust and your pride, to pay for all of it. He did it. Why? So now you can make it something it's not. No. Christianity, my brothers and sisters, is the hinge is the atonement of Jesus. That is the power you have. So to turn a blind eye to that precious sacrifice and want to be an American is wicked. To want to be culturally accepted is wicked. To turn away from the blood of Jesus and look at any other message is wicked. It's wicked, and it's fleshly, and it's carnal, and it's temporary, and it doesn't have anything to do with God. You know what's happening in heaven right now? Right now, as we're, we're getting ready for the holidays, we're getting ready for it. We're already in Thanksgiving. I've already been thinking about the mashed potatoes. I have. I cannot wait for Thanksgiving. Can't wait for Friendsgiving. We had a blast last year. I'm looking forward to it. But here's the truth. You know what heaven's doing? Heaven isn't saying, man, I can't wait for your mother-in-law's mashed potatoes. Heaven is not thinking about what's happening on the earth like that. You know what heaven is doing? Rejoicing. That's why we rejoice. See, we need to get this in our spirit. That the atoning sacrifice of Jesus was not so we could stay under some religion, but that we might be set free from anything that would bind us, and we would say hallelujah with heaven. That's why we're free. Because we are connected to eternal things. We are not here just for temporary things. This is why you look at all the stuff that man is doing, and you have a problem with it. Because you know in heaven they're saying, holy Holy, holy is the Lamb of God. Day in and day out, day in and day out, they're saying, Christ, 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 Christ. That's what they're doing. When you're sleeping, Christ, Christ, and it don't stop. Day in and day out, holy, holy, glory to God, hallelujah, we love you, Father, all day long. And we're down here just do-do-do, do-do-do. And Jesus was trying to get us to see something. That when you forget the bloodshed, you forget God. When you forget the atoning sacrifice, you lose your spiritual fervor. If the blood of Jesus isn't your fuel, then you're running on fumes. And I'm sorry, it won't sustain you. It will not, it will not sustain you. There is nothing else that covers us but the blood of Jesus, the message of Christ. Amen? The atonement. Are you listening to me? Or is it too long? Is it, it's 7.15, wrap it up. These pastors out there, 30-minute sermons because the people don't have the attention span, so they have to keep it at 30 minutes. Well, I got news for that. God knows how to keep us. And when we get tired, we know that's when we need them the most. We cannot grow weary in this. We can't get distracted. We have to remember what God has called us to do. His blood, his atoning sacrifice keeps us until the day he comes again. 
if you forget about the message of Christ, you forget about God. Can I just, when did this gospel, this, this amazing gospel, oh, Lord, help me. Help me, God. Help me. When did this gospel of Jesus become a gospel of Tony? A gospel of self. When, when, when did this gospel of the Lord marry you? I'm sorry, you're not that good. You didn't hang on the cross for me. And I love you. But I love you in Christ. But you, you are not God. I am not God. This isn't the gospel of anything else. This is the gospel of Jesus. And I'm, I'm sitting up here like, yo, have you ever been in a fight? Anybody in here ever been in a fist fight? Seriously. Okay. You ever get hit and didn't see it coming? Like I'm trying to preach this message and just this, the thoughts and the cares and the worries just, and I'm like literally trying to get this message to you. I'm trying to get this message to you. You're so full of what they've given you out there. You can't even be pure. It's not your fault. Whoever this is for, I'm talking to, it's not your fault. You are a victim of something that was bigger than you. you it's not your fault, but God wants to free you. I'm like bobbing and weaving over here. You think it's just a man preaching like I, I got up here and I'm just like, uh, don't know what I'm doing. No, I'm in the warfare right now. From this pulpit, I'm, I'm trying to preach a message that is glorifying Christ, but the heart of man is wicked. And that's why you can't get breakthrough. That's why you just heard the only gospel there is, and it's like fell to the ground. That's why your heart is hardened. That's why you can't let it take root because you care too much about this life. And you would look at me as crazy, right? You look at me, you're being too dramatic. You're not dramatic enough. You are not serious enough. And you need to surrender to God. I don't care if you never come back here. But I care whether or not what you leave with is the truth. Because this is not about building something here. This is about expanding the kingdom. And I'm literally, guys, if you're not praying right now, I'm not even looking at any person. I'm like looking over everybody. I don't want nobody to think, I'll just look at Michelle. I'll, it's you. That's it. I'm just looking. Because I'm not trying to single anybody out. I don't have anybody on my mind while I'm preaching this. I need you to turn that, turn that uh, recording off. I don't have anybody on my mind.